one. The San Jose Sharks finished the second day of the NHL draft. What did we all think? We're going to find out. It's going to be super awesome. I promise. Maybe not. I don't know. It's Teal Town Live. But of course, if you want to join the show, you can always follow us on all the social media, Twitter, Facebook, all that wonderful stuff. If you want to be notified when we do these videos, please hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, all the wonderful usual stuff that, you know, I tell you. Um, but yeah, we're here. I mean, I am not going to lie. I am burnt. It has been a very long two days. I'm very going to be happy when we put the stream to bed and then I never have to talk about this draft again until we do TTG or whatever else we do. It is me. It is Kevin Lacey. It is day two of the NHL draft. And as you can see, my brain is so far gone. Kevin, how you doing? Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Um, this is going to be one of our weirdest, probably our weirdest draft show that we've ever done. If, for those of you who are longtime fans and supporters thanks for sticking with us this will be a little bit different from the run-of-the-mill draft show that we normally do um i think part of it speaks to the volatility of the draft um i think this is really the the full force of the pandemic coming together from the last couple of years where teams had to basically rely on reports rather than live interaction and and seeing players so there's a lot of course correcting this year and i think we saw this even in the first round and going back to last year where ivan maroshnichenko and brad lambert were in bob mckenzie's top three yeah for his uh, anticipated draft and look where they went, 20th and 30th overall. So you, you got the second and the third, you just add a zero in behind it. So this year's draft was very tough for us to prepare for. Yeah. Um, on top of that, um, and I'm going to try not to be too salty tonight, Ian, and for those of you watching, but um, I do need to get the, uh, the E-expletive rating out of the way. What the fuck was the NHL doing putting the first round on a fucking Thursday afternoon for those of us in the Pacific time zone. And then I'm sorry, I have to work on Friday. So no idea what happened today. So I'm definitely not prepared. Ian, I will bring you uh, up to I, speed. I, I will. I commend you for sticking with the four hours last night. I did watch the draft last night <sighs> once I got home. Um, but uh, yeah, NHL, you guys dropped the fucking ball. I thought. All right, I'm gonna try and have no more f balls, f bombs. But man, I can't. I, I see. I was. I was wondering. Like, I thought I was gonna have to like file a trademark infringement suit. I thought it was gonna be like a this fucking team thing. And I was like, Yeah. Oh, and you guys know that I try not. I try not to swear on the show, um, just for you know professional reasons and whatnot. Even though, you know. 
whoever said we were professional. I'm definitely <laughs> but, not professional. I mean, come on, NHL. Get your shit together. Um, but, hey, we're going to try and get our shit together and have a great show. So thanks for tuning in. And I swear that's it for my uh, my expletives here. I, I, I will not make the same promises. I just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so... Obviously, just to recap night one, even if you didn't watch the, the four and a half hour stream that me and Mark did, um, or just lived under a rock for the last two days, um, the Sharks obviously started off by, they were they were going to pick 11th, and me and Mark came online and were like, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll do the first 10 picks or so, and then we'll do 11, and then we'll get the hell out of here. And then <laughs> the Sharks traded with Arizona. They traded the 11th overall pick for 27, 34, and 45. The trade itself, like even even in hindsight, even with the benefit of knowing everything I know now, the trade itself I don't really hate. Like if you didn't want to take a guy that you thought you know that was in that range, like trading back and getting two seconds, not a terrible play, especially in a draft like this, where I think that it was kind of all over the place. Especially just just like with my lead in there, where guys who were rated in the top three mm-hmm. fell to the, the the lower third of the first round. I think I got my math right on that. Um, but I mean, there were no unanimous picks outside of Shane Wright, who <laughs> fool on everybody. Um, really, you'd see like Lecker and Mackey would be eight. Mm-hmm. on someone's list and 26th on another right. list for example like there was no consensus in in this so i'm not surprised we saw what we saw in the first round yesterday it was certainly exciting ian i mean yes. uh, even despite the fact that the sharks uh did trade down it, it, there was still a lot of excitement to be had in the first round but i think that's where the sharks identified and said hey there's a lot of volatility to this year's draft we very well might find that the the players in the 25 to 30 range are just as good as the 11 to 15 range um, a couple years down the road. So they took that gamble. I'm, I'm, I'm not skeptical, but I'm closer to skeptical than happy with how this all went. But time will tell for certain with how this draft goes. Um, I don't know, Ian. Were you you were pretty happy with the the trade overall? I mean, I I, I I think the trade was I I don't mind the trade so much. What they did with the picks is where I start having the problem. I think it was I think it was a good play. Look, you could have traded back to twenty seven and still picked up a guy like Brad Lambert. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I don't mind like I don't mind the the trade in that perspective. Um. I, it's just what did the sharks do with it? And and here's the thing: like I have been a big booster of Doug Wilson Jr. since he's taken over the the drafting. I I maybe I'm just like I don't know if Doug Wilson Jr. is like my new my new James Reimer, where I'm just so scarred by previous things that I'm just like, no, this has to be good forever. I I'm not. I don't know if I'm there right now. I I haven't been as bullish on Doug Wilson Jr. as as I think everybody on Teal Town USA has been. I I don't dislike Doug Wilson Jr. Heck, I've never met the guy. How can I dislike someone that I never met? Unless you're like uh, Sean Avery or Steve Ott or some, <laughs> someone like that. But Maxim Lapierre. But I digress. 
Um, uh, this year's this year's draft class for the Sharks, I think, is a bit tough to stomach. But mm. I mean, just based off the very brief overview that I got before coming on the air here, um, I, I know that you mentioned whelmed, and I definitely am whelmed. Uh, in fact, when the Sharks uh, drafted Bestet in the first round last night, mm-hmm. I had no reaction. I legitimately just sat there, like, moving on. Like, I, <laughs> I wasn't excited. I wasn't mad. I just sat there and blinked maybe once. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, it was weird. And so for that, that, that reaction was underwhelming to me because I did have five players that I identified before the draft um, in Kemmel, you guys know, mm-hmm. everyone who follows me on Twitter knows I've been a big Yoakam Kemmel guy all year. Uh, Kemmel, Lekaramaki, McGrory was the guy I thought the Sharks for sure were going to take at 11, and that didn't happen. Uh, Nazar and Connor Geeky, mm-hmm. I thought all of them would have been great picks at 11. Um, it, th- th- picking up three picks was good in, in you know for quantity sake because... Yeah. The Barracuda got six new guys coming in, and obviously no one from the draft is going to the Barracuda right away, but you're going to need to get that snowball rolling here of, of prospects coming in, prospects coming in, especially for a team on the rebuild. Um, but you need some quality here. Yeah. And I don't feel any better. In fact, I almost feel a little bit worse about the quality, the overall total quality of the prospect pool here. Yeah, I I was really excited for this thing. I was like, for for a lot of reasons, right? Like, obviously, I was going to run point this weekend, which I never do. Like, I, you know, like, behind the scenes, I'm not the run point guy. I'm the guy that shows up five minutes before the stream and talks for, for an hour or whatever they need me to talk for. I, yeah. I'm, I'm not the run point guy. So knowing that I was going to kind of run point and kind of do everything this weekend, like not everything, like obviously other people helped and I don't want to take away from other contributions like AJ in the chat last night, super helpful. Mark soldiering on for that four and a half hours. Awesome. Right. Like I, I, I'm not trying to say I did this alone, but like I was, you know, running the show. I was running our Twitter account, like just stuff like that. And to have to do all of that, um, I was really excited because I thought this was going to be like, you know, I'm like, oh, they're picking 11th. This is going to be amazing. The future's, you know, we're going to get a good look at what the future looks like. And I'm just, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm not excited for the future it's, anymore. It's, it's more exciting when you're a Montreal fan and yeah. you see that Slavkovsky goes first overall. Whoa. I mean, not, not the biggest surprise, but it's still, nevertheless, it is a surprise. And Romanov getting traded and Doc coming in and stuff like that. Like, if we were a Montreal Canadiens podcast, which I am actually wearing my lone Montreal fa- uh, shirt, and no, I'm not a Montreal fan. I just like the shirt. Um, then, yeah, I'm sure it would have been super lively and talk for you would have had a 12 hour podcast. So at least you got to go to bed after only four. That's true. <laughs> but. Um, let's get into yeah. Uh, let's, let's, we we, we got to get down to business here. All right. So obviously the first pick, like you said, um, it was Philip Bystead. Uh, Central Scouting had him ranked seventeenth overall uh, for European skaters, um, not including Central Scouting's rankings. Um, he was on ten different lists. His average ranking was forty-seven. 
Um, his highest ranking was recruit scouting, which had him at 34, and his lowest rating was elite prospects, which had him at 70. Um, for those that have been around us for a while, we're big fans of the, the future, um, future considerations future draft guide. Um, so I got a couple snippets from there. Um, they had him ranked at 35. Um, they said he's impressively skilled for a player of his size with good hands and hockey sense, but not overly physical for a player, his size, uh, needs to work on maintaining the puck and protecting it better when carrying it. Kevin, when you hear that, I have a name for you. And I want to tell. I want to get your reaction. All right, all right. I have a name too, so I want to hear yours. <laughs> Maxim Latunov. Oh, I was at least going with Michael Hanzus. <laughs> Max Latunov. That's a actually that's a pretty interesting comparison there because he's a player, you know, slender build, but but uh, yeah, a lot tall. more slender than than our our, our guy here. I, let me get let me get you the um the thing like <laughs> this dude is 6'4 205 yeah 18 which is scary uh shoots left yeah. play center um he played for uh Linkoping in the swedish hockey league um sp- split time between obviously like shl you know they split t- time between their junior leagues and their main league um junior league yeah, and, and let me just jump in sure. real quick for those of you who are i mean we've brought this up in years past but uh, a lot of junior players, especially in Sweden and some of the other European leagues, will split time because teams are allowed to dress 20 skaters as opposed to 18 in North America. So a lot of times you'll see a couple of players pull double duty, but they'll never even see a shift in the game. They're there for emergency purposes only, or they might see a power play shift or a fifth line shift kind of thing. So their ice time might be under three minutes for the game. And so when you see someone like Bistet with no points in 11 games, I believe it was, in the top tier, he might have not even seen 11 minutes of ice time in that. So don't don't put any stock in that. Look at his junior stats. That's really yeah. the And that's the what I'm going to lead off right now with his the J20 team. Um, he had uh, 40 games played, uh, 16 goals, 33 assists, 49 points, 40 penalty minutes, and was a plus 23. Um, he also played in the U20 World Junior, uh, U18, sorry, World Junior for Sweden. Uh, six games, two goals, one assist, uh, three points and two penalty minutes and a minus three. Um, again, like I don't hate this pick. I don't love it. I don't either. I don't, I don't either. I just didn't have much of a reaction to it. Yeah. But. Like I don't super hate it. And I, and, and maybe this is just copium, like massive, massive amounts of copium on my behalf, on my part. But I just like, I'm like, maybe this is Josh Norris because Scouts seem really split on him. Some people were really, some people are really high on him. Like I thought, uh, Corey Pronman was pretty positive on him, especially if he actualizes to what his potential is. Um, so I, I feel like there's a lot of there. There seems to be a lot. Of, there's a lot of split on, on this player as far as scouting goes. So I'm I'm curious to see how this one pans out. Now, were there better players available? Yes. Like, I'm not, you know, like if you would have traded back to 27 and taken a guy like who admittedly has a lot of red flags and and Brad Lambert, like what a steal. What a steal. You pick up two picks and then and then you you still 
able to take that type of player, but obviously the Sharks identified this player and they like it. I just a little bit of a reach, I, but I don't I don't hate it as much as others seem to. I'm a little more willing to let this play out. I'm I'm willing to let it play out in that I mean maybe this is a player who could be there 57, but and I'm just throwing an arbitrary number out there, right. 57 for example. Um, but I think that they're again the volatility in the draft. Gen X last night on Twitter and I were having a little bit of a chat on Twitter uh, on there. And, um, and he was saying, when you're putting in this much effort, uh, you're meaning the scouts, when the scouts are putting in this much effort, go with the guy that you want to take for sure. Don't worry about the draft position. If it's in the ballpark and when there's a lot of volatility and randomness to, you know, guys could go anywhere. Just take the guy that you want. If you think you can tr trade down, this is this is my part because Gen X didn't agree. If you think you can trade down and still get your guy, go for it. Especially when you're the Sharks and you're rebuilding, add some picks. I mean, the Sharks got 27, 34, and 45 out of out of one pick, mm -hmm. for example. Take the guy you want. The Sharks clearly wanted this player. I still think the Sharks traded down from 11 because they were eyeing someone else who got drafted ahead of them and i think it's the casper from detroit that's just mm. my hunch i feel like that's the guy the sharks were after and the red wings took the guy they wanted and drafted him ahead of the sharks i mean again no inside info it's just my opinion right. there um so i think they said okay well we've identified a player in this range if we traded down which the sharks did and uh, they went with beasted i don't hate this pick at all i would like to see more upside Linus Carlson two years ago, mm -hmm. not our favorite pick, yep. but he really blew up over the next couple of years in Sweden playing for Urubro. So who's to say that Bistet can't do the same thing for Lynn Choping? I've, I've always been a big fan of the Lynn Choping uh, development uh, program there in Sweden. I'm not as much as Sheleftio, but um, I think Lynn Choping brings uh, quality professionals into into hockey here and uh i'm excited to see what beast does and and then later down the line have it as well yeah um okay so moving on to the second round obviously after yesterday you know a little bit kind of like eh, i'm not sure what this draft's gonna be um 34th overall pick in the second round uh they drafted cameron lund uh cameron lund was rated ranked by nhl central scouting 40th among north american skaters um, he was ranked, he was ranked on 10 lists with an average ranking of 70. Um, his highest ranking was from Bob McKenzie, who had him at 43. His lowest ranking was at Future Considerations, which had him all the way down at 131. Another Ooh. incredibly polarizing prospect. Um, Cameron Lund is a player who plays for the uh, Green Bay Gamblers in the USHL. He played 62 games, had 25 goals, 25 assists, 50 points. 49 penalty minutes and was a minus 22. He is a six foot two, 192 pound right shot center, uh, obviously from the U.S. Um, yeah, and, and f I, I, I am trying to like get comments up in the in the chat, pull them up as as I can. I if we don't stop and and go through all of them, I apologize. We got a lot to get through, and I've done a lot of. Talking. Yeah, we we don't want to turn this into another four and a half right. hour show, but we are gonna we are gonna try and get to your comments, like Tony and Jack, for example. Yeah. You guys killing it in the comments right now, yeah. and we'll try and get to some of what you said because I, I I agree with some of what you said there. Yeah. Um. So again, I think again, whelmed. 
Don as well. Sorry. Yes, Don Wolf. <laughs> yes, whelmed. Yeah. Um, I almost wonder, you know, with the Sharks drafting Eklund last year and Bestet with the first pick and Havilid with the third pick, third pick, I think. Um, you almost wonder if Cameron Lund, they thought they were drafting another Swede with the last name of Lund <laughs> um, and then realized he's actually from Green Bay. Um, uh, this was a weird this was a weird pick because I thought for sure this had Ryan Chesley written all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a draft for sure that I after the first round, I was like, I'm going to throw my hands in the air. There's no use doing a lot of preparation because guys are going all over the place. So I'm not familiar with Cameron Lund. Uh, I think with Beastet, they addressed a size issue with Cameron Lund. It was kind of more of the same. Yeah. Um, um, let me just, I know, let me give you some, some, yeah, stuff get on some stats in there. Cause he's, he's definitely not the same type of center as Beastet. No, sure. uh, strength and skating ability are his two big pluses. He can change directions quickly and is a lot for defenders to handle when he hits full speed. Now, the question marks were come with his decision-making. He often will send passes to nowhere under pressure um, or often will waste too much time before getting a shot off. Um, so the way I see it, like it looks like he's he's a pretty raw prospect. Um, by raw, I mean like there's, you know, he's he's got a lot of raw ability, but the tool set isn't totally there yet. And you have to kind of develop that. But raw prospects aren't the end of the world. I said this on the show last night with with Mark. Like a guy like Keandre Miller was incredibly raw when he was drafted. Definitely. So you can definitely, you know, develop that into a decent tool set. It's just the question is the physical tools are there, but will he do all the other will he be able to put the rest of his game together in order to be an NHLer? Yeah. And with Cameron Lund, uh offense is the name of his game. Um, and being a USHL player, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah. Um, USHL players, and this is kind of alluding to what Tony said in our chat here. Mm-hmm. Um, please keep the comments coming, everyone. Um, I'm not a big fan of USHL draft picks, especially high draft picks, because they have the biggest tendency to fall off the map. Um, I have heard some questions about Lund's engine, uh, Lund's desire when he's out on the ice. But at the same time, someone on, I believe it was ESPN's broadcast, because I was kind of switching between Sportsnet and, and ESPN. Um, please come back, TSN. Please, <laughs> please, please. Um, they were saying, when you're drafting USHL players, you're going for the most skill available. So if someone's not playing defense, who's an offensive-minded player... Who cares? Mm-hmm. They can develop that in juniors. They can develop that as as a pro. As in, like yeah. they'll, they'll learn that aspect. Like you want the biggest raw ability, and that's what the Sharks got with Lund. Um, I just, man, I really thought, I thought after going with the center at 27 with Beastead, mm-hmm. I thought it was defenseman all the way, and I thought it had Ryan Chesley written all over it. Um, or even uh, Luke, uh, oh, what's his, or Lane, not Luke. I don't remember his last name now. I think he went around 40 or so. But there was another offensive-minded D-man um, there available that I thought the Sharks could have taken there. I thought they would go D for sure on that second pick. But yeah. Um, they yeah. Ash in the chat just it seems like the scouts wanted projects this year. Lots of players that are in the play plan are going to be itching for spots in the next few years. So at lots least a lot of, of these guys can play a few years in college. And yeah, and um, Cameron Lund is a... 
Northeastern commit. So he will be playing uh, in the NCAA next year. Uh, Lane Hudson. Hudson, Thank you, Jack. I like Colin's uh, uh, message in the chat. Sleepy Mofo said, so they got Scott Reedy all over again. (laughs) Yeah, actually, this pick does remind me a lot of Scott Reedy. So uh, good point there, Colin. Yeah, again, like I just feel like again it's one of those things where like i'm whelmed like it, the, if 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 it's a sw- if it's a swing that hits like it's it's going to be great but i just feel like i don't know this is a little too boomer busty for me it is especially given that they they traded down trading down and then going boomer bust that i i i i don't know i mean the sharks need some boom for sure, they, they um, need some boom. right now, right now they can't afford bus. I don't, I don't think they should just go with safe picks. Like, no, no, I think no. Beast Tut's a pretty safe pick, pretty much. Um, but I, I, I think this is a player that the Sharks could have drafted in the third round. Uh, but they obviously didn't think so. And as I already said, take the guy that you want. Yeah. So uh, the Sharks next would go uh, to pick number 45. Uh, I really like this pick. This is maybe my favorite pick Me of this too. draft class. Uh, Mati- Matias Havilid, uh from Sweden, also from how Linchoping. Is that how I properly yeah. say that? Linchoping. Linchoping. But Linchoping works okay. too. Um, and again, we'll just, uh, give you some stats from his, uh, J20. Uh, he played 29 games in the J20 league, uh, 10 goals, nine assists, 19 points, two penalty minutes plus 16. Uh, he played also for Sweden in the, uh, U18 world juniors, uh, six games, four goals, eight assists, 12 points, uh, zero penalty minutes and a plus four, uh, going back to my notes here. Oh, I'll give you his just he's a little bit smaller obviously guy 510 172 so not the biggest guy um even though like size worship seemed to be the theme of this draft um what do we have here for him? i think part of that is because the last couple of drafts we've seen a lot of praise towards the undersized players or the quote-unquote undersized players so this was kind of a rebound where um teams wanted some size some physicality again to combat his the last two years especially mm-hmm the common theme is this player skates well this player skates well this player and so you gotta have some kind of balance there and i think that's why uh teams went a little bit bigger this year and with the draft um but i i'm super excited about the matthias havlid pick yeah yeah i i like this pick like if you it's the sharks always do this like they always have this pick and we're like well if you took this guy at you know 34 and then took you know you if you switch those picks around I'm I'm a little less annoyed with you. Um, Central Scouting had him uh, as 19th ranked among European skaters. Um, he was on 11 lists. Average rank was about 34. Uh, Schmott Scouting was the highest on him at 27. Uh, Puck Authority was the lowest on him at 44. So again, uh, Future Considerations had him ranked at 42. Uh, undersized, smooth skating defenseman with the capabilities to be a dynamic blue liner at the NHL level. Good skater, has great vision, makes good decisions with the puck in the offensive zone using both the shot and passing ability to make plays. Uh, concerns on the defensive end of his game. While he's got good gap control, he's not going to muscle anyone off the puck, but loses a lot of 50-50 battles along the boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I before coming on here, I actually thought I had the perfect comparison for who Matthias Havilid would become. And I have 
I have lost it. <laughs> I've always lost it, right? But um, I, I, I can't remember. I'm sure it'll come back to me. So, but uh, Matthias Havlid is a player who I always, you know me. I like my Swedish players, mm-hmm. um, but I also like players who I've heard a little bit about in advance of the draft because that's usually a good sign. So when the Sharks drafted Havlid at 45, and I said, oh. It's one of the only players that I'm familiar with before I do my post-draft uh, analysis and all that. Like that's a good sign right there for me. Uh, definitely undersized. I mean, we talked a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago about how uh, if the Sharks were in need of a five foot nine hundred sixty-five pound defenseman, uh, I'm still available. Um, but they obviously filled that need with Matthias Havelid, so I guess I'm without a contract. <laughs> um, but Havelid, yeah, slick skating defenseman. Honestly, he reminds me of his dad, of the video that I've seen. I think I saw him a couple times or once or twice in a U18 tournament for Sweden, something along those lines. I know I've seen him somewhere. Um, but he actually does remind me of his dad, and I was a big fan of his dad when he played for the Ducks and a, li- and a little bit for the Thrashers there. So um, smooth skating, smart. You have to be smart when you're when you're undersized yeah. like that. You have to counterbalance the fact that you're not going to shove anyone around. The only problem I think I have with this pick is I think what the Sharks truly needed in this draft, it was virtually impossible uh, was a David Juracek. Yeah. A big physical defensive defenseman who's going to be a top pair defensive defenseman. Sharks weren't going to be able to move up and, and get that player with the assets that they have or yeah, have. Um, so Havlid definitely doesn't address that need. Um, but still the Sharks need everything. <laughs> Let's be honest. So um, I'm excited for this pick. He's probably he probably won't be coming over to North America anytime soon. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, but again, Lynn Choping has a really good development program, and I'm excited to see uh, him develop here. He reminds me a lot of Sammy Vatanen. I, and in fact, I even saw that was the player. It was Sammy Vatanen who I I thought of. I thought at worst mm-hmm. he's a Jacob Bryson of Buffalo who Bryson's a pretty steady defensive defenseman, right. but he's five foot eight, I think. And, um, the offense isn't quite there. I think Havilland has more offense than, than Bryson. So he probably follows falls somewhere in between. But I think, I think the sharks definitely have an NHL defenseman in Matias Havilland. I just don't know his ceiling. Yeah. I mean, like if, Again, if everything goes the way, like, this is definitely the pick that I am the most excited about. This is definitely someone I'm going to be looking forward to following to see how they how they play over uh, with Linchaping this year. Um, I, You know, again, like, this is where I kind of, like, turn back. I'm like, okay, wait, okay, Doug Wilson Jr. is back. We're, we're good now. <laughs> now... The, the, I want to talk about who the Sharks didn't draft. Uh, Mark sure. and I were absolutely on the same page on this. We both wanted Adam Sikora. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, again, I thought the Sharks were going to draft a defenseman at 34 and then draft someone like Adam Sikora at 45. So that also doesn't make me feel great about the Cameron Lund draft uh, selection, even though I think Lund probably does have a higher ceiling than Sikora. Um, but I that really liked what low. I saw from Sikora playing for Slovakia this year. And 
you know, the sharks like what you like. Mm-hmm. For me, I, it's the same way. So I, that that also uh, kind of soured me there on that Cameron Lund pick. But Havilid, I like that one. All right. Uh, with the 76th overall pick, uh, the Sharks took Michael Fisher, who is a six foot two, 198 pound right shooting defenseman uh, playing for St. Mark's uh, School, U.S. high school program, uh, also committed to Northeastern. <laughs> we have to talk about high school numbers. <laughs> 28 games played, 13 goals, 37 assists, 50 points, uh, no idea on penalty minutes or plus minus. Um, the problem with high school, and I don't like how much they went to the high school well here, is that the quality of competition is all over the place. So it's really hard to gauge what you're getting in a high school player. Yeah. I think the only high school player who I actually felt really good about over the last many years was Jack Rathbone. Every other person, if someone tried to sell me on a USHL player, I'd say talk to me in two years when I've at least seen them play a year in college and figure out where they where they fall on the bigger spectrum. USHL, that one's off my radar, Ian. <laughs> like, and I don't trust those. I, I trust Q stats more than I trust <laughs> USHL yeah. numbers. So. Yeah. Um, obviously... Um, so he was, he was, now this guy was ranked 52, uh, on North American skaters by central scouting. He was on eight different rankings. His average, uh, ranking was 80. So not terrible. Um, not a, not a terrible pick where the sharks took him, uh, ranked highest by elite prospects. They had him at about 42. His lowest ranking was oh. draft prospects hockey, which had him at about 112. Okay. So again, all over the place, but again, like high school players it's just it's so hard to know what you're getting and he's, i just he's feel a bigger like, defenseman right? yeah i just yeah. I, I feel like like i don't know i just feel like this has never worked out for the sharks anytime they've ever drafted at a high school i don't i don't has this ever worked out man i i can't i can't name one neither can i and, and it does it's not just a sharks thing again this is this is league-wide um ushl players this is not even USHL. Generally this is high don't. school. This is not even the USHL. Oh, you're right. It's USHS. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Like so, uh, I got I got nothing here, man. No, and and so here's obviously we want every pick to work out for sure. <laughs> it makes our job. Let me easy. say this. To me, when I see defensive defensemen with not a whole lot of a, a scouting report for them and it's in the middle round boy the sharks do this a lot in the middle rounds and it drives me nuts um mike robinson adam shaneborn you know uh, michael fisher defensive defenseman middle round that says to me that says to me fourth pair ahl defenseman now, I just talked about how the Sharks need defensive defensemen and they need that stalwart player. And and anyone third round and below might just turn into uh, Jake Middleton's not a stalwart defensive defenseman, mm-hmm. but we saw the progress that Jake Middleton had this year for the Sharks. And I would like to think that Michael Fisher turns into that. Um, but 
this is definitely uh, you're going to have to prove something to me before I'm going to get over my preconceived notions about this pick. Here, here's so. here's the thing. Now, now, the one thing that I always do when it comes to USHL players, when it comes to players that are playing U.S. high school, where are they going to college? It's going Northeastern. Like yeah. there, there are certain programs where I will give you a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt if you, depending on which program you're going into, right? Northeastern's got a pretty damn good program. Yes. Like it, it's yes. there's there's like a few school like there's some schools that I hold in really high regard, North Dakota, Denver. You know, Michigan, Minnesota, Eastern, it, Northeastern. Like you know it, what I mean? It's funny that you brought those all up. Uh, because whenever I see a high school player or a USHL player get drafted, what I always put in my notes is, where are they going? And and it's totally true. The colleges you just mentioned, those players go higher up on my list because of where they're going. Right. If it's Boston. You know, Quinnipiac, for example, or even Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. They have a pretty good program. Miami of Ohio has a pretty good program. But when you're getting like the division three college mm-hmm, right uh for example that's where i'm like i don't even know if i want to rank you and and so at least fisher is going to northeastern here where um who knows i mean mike callahan was a player for the um the coyotes and i think he's in the bruins organization mm-hmm. now uh, but mike callahan was a, a defenseman who i thought yeah maybe you know he might turn out and he had a pretty good college career and he captained his team i can't remember which team it was but he captained his college team so michael fisher might eventually turn into something callahan might be on that border you know but um just throwing that out there um shoeshine kind of brought up something we we've been talking about about throughout the the show so Mm -hmm. far which is it's hard to grade a draft class when no there was no consensus yeah. among the scouts and completely agree. So uh, Michael Fisher is definitely the type of pick where you, you just you write it down and you wait and see. Um, Michael Fisher, though, the Sharks, uh, the, the Sharks can check off the box for um, players of the same name because <laughs> he's Mike Fisher. Yep. We saw a Jack Hughes get drafted today. We saw an elite Elias Pettersson drafted today. And there was one other. Pl- oh, Jeremy Langlois, mm-hmm. former Barracuda player, Jeremy Langlois. And now there's another Jeremy Langlois who was drafted today. So uh, we saw a lot of repeat names and the Sharks can mark that off that we have Mike Fisher. It's true. We want our overtime goal back, Mike Fisher. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, Tony asking in chat, these are all 18-year-olds. Yeah, they're all 17, 18. The Sharks did not dip into any of the overage players uh, this draft. Uh, so that is something yeah. that we uh, can confirm. Um, can can we, before we move on, can you talk about Jack Olson's um, comment about Russian players and... and- yeah, so we, me and Mark talked a little bit about this yesterday, about like what was going to happen with some of the Russian players, obviously, um, with teams probably being a little afraid to uh, draft them, obviously. Um, I think a guy like Yurov went a lot lower than he would have if the world was a sane and normal place. And like last night, I'm not going to get too into the weeds about the, the politics of it, but... Um, if you want to escape your KHL team and, uh, your owner of your KHL team does not want you to go, 
there's a chance he might call his buddy Vladimir Putin and have you sent to Siberia for military service. You think that, oh, geez. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I don't know that I want to go down that path other than the best place that Ivan Moroshnichenko could have been drafted was the Washington Capitals. That's, yeah. Yeah, we, and we did say <laughs> that last, all last it night. It takes one Alex Ovechkin phone call and he's set for and life. He's set free. Um, yeah, for those that don't know, um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of talk of uh, Kirill Kaprizov possibly having to do military service right now. Um, the Flyers wanted to bring over one of their goalie prospects, uh, and he got sent off. to somewhere. Just it's it's scary yeah. stuff. It's weird. It's weird Cold War stuff that honestly I thought we were gonna leave in the early, like the mid nineties. Um. So I don't know. It is. It's, it is it's, what it is. It's crazy. All right, let's move on mm-hmm. to. Uh, oh, when do the RFAs have to sign by? Real quick, by PJ. Um, so Wednesday is Wednesday when UFA begins. I believe so. So I believe Monday. Monday probably have to early. Go yeah, I believe it'll have to be like Monday noon Eastern type this, of thing. I, let me see if I if it is on my important summer dates. Yeah, I'm excited because Wednesday is my work from home day this week. So unlike day two of the draft, I will actually know what's going on live uh, with the uh, free agency silly season. So um, if we end up having a show there, I'll be a little bit more prepared. But I like how the show is going so far. And and for those of you who are new, um, thanks for tuning in. Um, Please subscribe if you like it and tell a friend. We uh, we always love chatting with you absolutely as, as we do amongst ourselves we've got discord as well yeah. um skylar greenberg who's in our chat here right now he's he's commonly uh talking as well as like a tiger um so uh you know the more the merrier you know all right um yeah we'll get to we'll, we'll definitely get to luke cunning um and yeah yeah we should get to that we, we will get there we'll, as soon as we finish the draft we will talk about luke cunning and we'll kind of give some broad thoughts on the uh, NHL draft. Okay, so with the 108th pick overall in the fourth round, um, the Sharks immediately lost me again. Like, my <laughs> mood just completely... Is it because you didn't know how to pronounce his last name? or No. This is what... Uh, okay, so Mason Bopit is a Canadian six foot five, 188 pound goaltender who catches with his left hand. He is a goaltender for the Spokane Chiefs of the Western Hockey League. In 49 games, he had a amazing goals against average of 3.63, a save percentage of 0.893. Uh, one shutout though, so hey, that's good. Uh, and a record of 20, 22, and 4. Now, admittedly, I don't know how bad Spokane were this year, although they were a playoff team. Yeah, I don't know either, but the first thing I can say to the stats is Ben Goodrow had a horrible statistical season yeah. the previous year and bounced back in a big way, and, and fans are really excited about him. Team. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. It was an awful team. Yeah. We don't know how bad Spokane was. Yeah, I, I didn't um, do my homework here. here he, and he did have a decent season in the shortened season the year before. Yeah. This to me though, this is Zachary Emond all over again. 
it's a we already have one of it's those. It's a big it's it's size worship. It's goalie size worship. It is. Um the, I I read something the the only note that I saw about it I don't even know if it's Bo P or Bo Pitt. I don't but, know. Um I in any event, the only thing that I saw about him was he models his game after Carey Price and another Oh, Roberto Luongo, who's his hero, and I guess he met him this weekend. Um, Which is and awesome. I'm like, that that's great. I model my game after Mike Bossy. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, we'll look where I'm at, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, so he was only ranked on four lists. He was ranked five among North American goalies by Central Scouting. Um, he was on four lists. His average ranking was about 172. His... Um, his highest ranking was 143, I think, by Recruit Hockey, and his lowest was 197 by Future Considerations. Um, so this is the this is a little bit what of what we know about him. He's he's got good east-west mobility uh, in the butterfly and takes up a lot of the net with his size alone because he's huge. Um, yeah. But he has a tendency to go down too early, uh, which leads to a lot of panic plays where he's kind of just sprawled out and flailing around like Dominic Hasek without the saves. I I like that the Sharks went for a goalie here um, because I do think the Sharks needed to try and add to the goaltending. Because until, until we are 100% comfortable with the goaltending, the Sharks should always add a goalie every year in the draft. This was the pick. I don't know a lot about him. Yeah. So it, it's tough. But I, I feel... A little bit better than Zach Amon. Like I don't mm. want to throw in the the thunderstorm that you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the fact that it is the Western Hockey League, um, and he's giving up the the this type of offense is troubling for me yeah. because it is a more defensive league. So the Spokane um, again, Chiefs, just to just to go yeah, the, Bill, in the Western Bill Conference, said. they finished seventh. Um, obviously, Western look at both conferences. I believe are ten teams per conference. So or okay. ten ten in the uh, sorry, ten in the West, twelve in the East. Um, they finished seventh in the West. They had a record of twenty four thirty nine and four. So they finished they finished seventh in the playoff with a losing record. Uh, okay, so, so this is good. one of those AHL Pacific Division, everybody but the Barracuda makes the playoffs kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah, um, and they got bounced by the Kamloops Blazers, the second-seeded Kamloops Blazers in four. All right. How were, did he play in the playoffs? I think that's he also did. a telling He thing. did. He um, did play in the he... playoffs. So, okay, so they didn't. So the um, it's not much better. Um, he has two games played in the playoffs. Um, his record was 0-1 and 0, so he looks like he must have started a game or they were leading when he went in uh, to get the loss. Um, he had, again, it's hard, right? Because if you go in relief and you get lit up, like it, it hurts your numbers so badly. You're supposed to be making us feel better Sorry. about this. Uh, <laughs> his goals against average was a sparkling 6.86. But again, if you go into a game late and get lit up, that destroys your GAA. That's just how GA works. Uh, his yeah. save percentage was eight, eight, four, six. Yeah. Does Spokane Chiefs have a new logo? No, the Warriors do. Oh, got it. 
Got it, got it. Uriel, uh, we'll come back to your comment in a little bit. I like that question. What's the question? Come back. What was the question? What's, What's the question? Oh, well, he asked what big name do you guys hope Mike Greer can pull? And oh, I yeah, think we'll that's uh, once we get through the draft, we can um, we can talk about that because I think it's a good question. There. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good it's it's a it's an interesting question. All right. So no, 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 no. Skyler, I don't hate ro Swedish rookie. I love Swedish players. It's just that uh, I don't know if I like these Swedish players, except for Havilland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. I really like that half-lit pick. Um, all right, so the fifth round, uh, 140th overall, uh, Jake Furlong, uh, Canadian, six foot one, 190 190-pound uh, left-shooting defenseman, plays for the Halifax Mooseheads in the QMJHL, 67 games, four goals, 38 assists, twenty uh, for 42 points, 16 penalty minutes, and 22, or, yeah, plus 22. Um, in the playoffs, uh, five games, four. Uh, Four assists for four points, two penalty minutes, minus five. Um, yeah, uh, let's see what we have here. Look, with Jake Jake Furlong here, so this was the point, one of the only points of the draft that I was able to interrupt my work day. And I saw the Sharks were about to pick at 138, and they obviously traded down because next thing I know, I'm like working on my computer and I see the Columbus logo appear and I'm like, I finally get to watch the draft, and the Sharks trade the friggin' right. pick. But I saw they they traded down two spots, and I would guess they acquired a seventh. Um, do you do you I don't recall remember. that? I didn't, I, I didn't write that down. I just okay. I mean, again, this is all a matter of just not being able to watch the draft live as I wasn't. But um, so they got Furlong, and Furlong's another defenseman that I got really nothing up on um it seems like he's a pretty offensive-minded defenseman which status quo for the queue um but i think what i am excited about we've i've mentioned what a couple years ago maybe it was the julius bergman pick so this was several years ago mm -hmm. when on nhl network they go to highlight julius bergman and they have nothing to say that is the worst thing, especially for a second-round pick, as Bergman was. Mm -hmm. When you have nothing to say, that's awful. So when I'm sitting there at my computer and they say, let's talk about Jake Furlong. And I'm like, a fifth-rounder being talked about, being highlighted. That's right. already a good sign. So, again, I don't know a whole lot about Jake Furlong other than he, he seems to be pretty mobile. He's a very average size. And uh, offensive minded, he had I mean, you mentioned he had four points in five playoff games. Yep. So uh, that's that's a positive that the plus minus not so much, um, but a project defenseman, as someone else in the chat already mentioned, a lot of project players here. Yeah. Um, yeah and the, the, the 138 got traded to Columbus for a fifth in next year's draft. Oh, OK. So they already had 140 yeah. again. What watching the draft and trying to work uh, pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so again, Thank like you. a theme for this draft is, uh, you know, good skating. A lot of a lot of these prospects are pretty decent skaters, um, which seems to be like the Doug Wilson Jr. motif. Um, good passing, good skating, um, especially defensively to, um, you know, a good gap control, um, take smart routes to the puck. Uh, again, 
not overly physical though. So a lot of size, you know, size for guys that aren't super physical. But you know. Yeah, um, and and that I think might possibly be why I'm less thrilled about the draft class than I'd like to be, is because I do think that the Sharks just need some overall, uh, more overall physicality, and. Uh, when we get into the Luke Cunning trade, for example, um, someone, I think it was Mike Powell on Twitter, uh, was saying, yeah, but Cunning's way more physical than than John Leonard mm-hmm. is, and that's what Mike Greer is identifying as, as a big need. And I agree with that. But then you go out and you don't acquire any physical players that we are aware of yeah. in this draft class, and... I think the thing, too, that you have to remember is, like, obviously, like, if you're drafting a player today, you're not drafting them for tomorrow, literally tomorrow, right? You're drafting them for down the road. So, And players develop. I mean, Adam Adam Raska was drafted as a physical forward, so that's that's uncommon. Mm -hmm. But look at the number of, um, for lack of a better term, goons Mm -hmm. in the NHL. They weren't drafted to be goons. Unless you're Zach Cassian. Um, they were drafted to be quality players, you know, like like a Tom Wilson. Yep. Even a Nazem Kadri's got some edge to him and, and always has. Um, but uh, players will carve a niche out one or the other. So that also could be why the Sharks say, you know what? Physicality will naturally develop over time. So I just... I'd, I'd just like to see a little bit more versatility out of the draft class. That's all. Yeah. Um, okay, so we get into the sixth round, and now we're now we're just swinging for the fences. <laughs> uh, Joey Muldoney, uh, American, 5'11", 154 pounds, tiny. Um, right shot, right winger. Uh, again, another high school player. I, a ton of points, but again, high school quality of competition uh 56 games played 57 goals 40 assists 97 points uh he did play a couple games uh with des moines in the ushl um he had th- uh, he played three games had a goal and assist uh and two penalty two points and was a minus three um so again another you know smaller player offensive um let me see if i have anything here obviously because of his size, a lot of questions with his strength. Uh, NHL scouting did have him at 164 for North American skaters. All right. So uh, the Sharks drafted right around where central scouting had him or NHL scouting. I mean, had him. So, I mean, you can't fault that too much. Um, I have nothing about this pick other than that. He's very light. Yes. Um, I, I really have not. And this goes back to it, it, the Michael Fisher. He's in USHS. So he's playing high mm-hmm. school. One of the hardest leagues. And this to, is another USHS uh, player. Um, yeah. One of the hardest systems to um, grade on. I mean, we're not even done with yeah. it. That's the crazy thing. We still have another pick who it's like, yeah, the stats are great. hundred points in 50 games. ish, But, <laughs> um, Committed I mean, to the University of Connecticut. 
Yeah, UConn. Um, I guess it's a good thing that he's not uh, going to the basketball program at 154 yeah. pounds because that wouldn't work out. Um, yeah, UConn's a decent program. Um, you know, I think look at John Leonard. I mean, UMass has been on the map for a while, but like you hope it's like John Leonard who was traded today um, where John Leonard went into UMass with not a whole lot to work around him. And John Leonard himself was a sixth or seventh round pick. So uh, he made the most of his situation. And so with Joey Muldowney, um, you hope that maybe he's a guy who just says, yeah, UConn's all right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make them better. I'm going to be the guy to make them better and put them on the map. So... Yeah, um, one ninety five. Eli Barnett, uh, Canadian, six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds. Right shot defenseman, plays for the Vancouver Grizzlies in the BCHL. Um, Fifty three games played, three goals, ten assists, thirteen points, uh, forty penalty minutes. I, the, the BCHL, like I think, and again, this is seventh round pick, so not a big deal. But I think you'd want to see a few more points in the BCHL. Definitely, I. This is another okay yeah. pick. Like I, I miss the days when sharks would draft someone in the seventh round, and I go, oh, "Oh, that guy! Oh, that's a great pick!" Mm. Like I'm not, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really there. I'm trying to think of the rush. I keep looking over on the side because I'm trying to pull up yeah. the name of the Russian draft pick we had last year. Because to me, this almost seems like a fallback in case the the Russian pick um, doesn't mm -hmm. work out. Like, he's got size. Um, he seems to be mobile enough for his size. But outside of that, BCHL, I have to throw my hands up in the air and say, the, the scouts should know what they're yeah. doing, right? <laughs> yeah, and again, not much other than he's huge. <laughs> he's a monster. Um, he is going to the University of Vermont. Uh, and with the final pick in the in the draft the sharks at 217 took reese laubach a san jose native uh six foot 168 pounds right shooting center uh again plays for uh north star christian academy in the naphl you know it is what it is man is a junior he's, shark. A, he's san jose, san jose born. born yep kashnikov mm. kashnikov that's it Thank you, Ike. Yeah, um, like which I think is really cool, right? Like to go full circle like that and come come back into the to the Sharks. Um, I think that's really cool. Oh, it is. How many years have the Sharks uh, just organizationally been saying, especially Doug Wilson, mm. was saying, "I can't wait for the day that a junior Shark joins the Sharks and plays in the NHL." Yeah. So what? obviously a long way away from the nhl yeah. but this probably this is probably the most exciting if for nothing else just because the feel-good story mm -hmm. the for me the most exciting pick outside of Havoid. <laughs> yeah it's an interesting story and uh, so he's a couple he's a couple years away from college he's going to be playing in youngstown the youngstown phantoms i want to say that's a good that's like that's one of the only USHL programs that I'm like, 
moderately familiar with, and they're a damn good program. Yeah, so he's going to be playing so, there, and then he is going to the University of Minnesota? Let me go figure that out again. I had it, I I had it up. I want to say Minnesota Mankato? Yes, Minnesota Mankato. Thank you. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, but Reese Laubach, uh, you know, San Jose born, his hero is Joe Pavelski. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't it be? Um, and tries to model his game after that. So because he models his name after Jonathan Taze. Oh, did, oh, okay. No problem no, with that no. either. Um, but yeah, I, I, outside of, outside of like the numbers and the feel good story, the only thing I got is, is he related to storm chaser, Tony Laubach? Because I, I don't know, maybe they can chase Sharknados together or something. I, I don't know, but I'm um, still really cool though. Um, he'll he'll definitely have uh, bring a little bit of excitement and enthusiasm to the to the team he grew up watching, and um, definitely going to be one to watch. It's just it, it's almost like there's going to be a shadow mm-hmm. on him, kind of like how Mike Greer. I I did not get to share my thoughts about Mike Greer. Um, being named general manager but i i think of the candidates that the sharks hired it's the one i'm most comfortable with uh the one that had the most experience even though he isn't fully experienced but mike greer is going to have that that forever connotation of being the first black gm and so now he's going to have to prove that he can be a quality gm and wasn't picked because he. And I'm certainly not saying that he was picked because Fair. he was black, because he was not. I think Jonathan Becker said it yeah. perfectly that he's a quality candidate who happens to be. Black, you know what? You know what's sad? Like what really made me sad from that press conference was the fact that he said that he has to do a good job so that other black men will get the chance to general manage. And I'm like, Peter Shirelli didn't ruin it for yeah. white guys. <laughs> no 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 man i missed that um and that is that is very unfortunate but i do think that not in that same vein mm. but i do think there's going to be the extra scrutiny on mike greer to perform because he's a black gm even though that's complete bullshit Ye- there's another yeah. e for you right there um that's complete bullshit but um it's nevertheless he's going to have that, that extra magnifying glass on him. And I think that with Reese Laubach, it's the same thing where he's, you know, Sharks fans still can't stop talking about Matt Tennyson. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't care about Matt Tennyson. <laughs> like, um, so Reese Laubach immediately, it's going to be that, that he's a junior shark and it is a it's great a, story. Oh, it's an amazing story. But, and, it, and but, I felt bad because like, I'm like doing all the stuff and I didn't even like, I didn't clue into the fact because I'm not local, right? So I didn't right. include it. And then I'm like, I'm trying to like scramble to figure out information on the player so I can put it on the Teal Town Twitter account. And then I'm like, oh, he's from San Jose. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but he's still going to have that. It's not a target on his back because he's a seventh round right. pick. What are you going to expect? His, his hero is Joe Pavelski, but don't expect him to be Joe Pavelski. But still, he's going to have that extra just uh, people watching him and see if he succeeds or fails or whatever. And so um, I hope he certainly succeeds. I hope it works out. The Sharks have always wanted this. And 
it's a, a step towards that. So um, we'll see what happens. But Youngstown, that's a good next step mm-hmm. for him. I, I, I like that. Yeah, and then and then he moves on after that to the uh, NCAA. So I'm pretty excited for that. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, so I, I think um, overall, like... Corey Promnan was actually really generous to the Sharks draft. I just read his thing, and he had he gave I think a B B minus. B. He a gave him a solid, solid B. B. That made me feel a little bit better. And I think again, Corey Promnan, you know, as with anyone who puts their public thoughts mm-hmm. out there, there's going to be people who like him and people who hate mm-hmm. him. And so, but the 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 hate is always going to be louder than the praise. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, take it for what you will. I really like Corey Pronman's uh, uh, insight about players. Um, I, I I think it's it's something you should. Um, you don't necessarily need to uh, understand it as gospel. Just like what we're saying, we're not saying this is what's happening. Dad. Right. You know, we're not we're not saying that. And Corey Pronman's the same way. He's putting his thoughts out there, and I think he's generally more correct than he is wrong. And that's that's the best you can do. So um, the fact that he did give the Sharks a, a, a B class, I think part of that, you know, we're down on the class, the Sharks draft class overall. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's still willing to grade it a B says not the greatest draft class this yeah. year. So the Sharks tried to make the most of it. Um, next year's draft class, I think is going to be a lot better. I like the 2023 class. And um, when you guys were correcting me about that pick 138 going for a 2023 pick, I'm all for mm-hmm. it. And I heard that the Sharks traded a seventh as well. Uh, I think I actually happened to be on my phone yeah, looking at that at the seventh. same time, too. Yeah. So, you know, adding picks for next year, I have no problem with Cause that. That third round that third round pick though yeah because i that that it did make me feel a little better because honestly like when i was preparing for this show i'm like if i give this draft class a c i feel like i'm being generous i'm the same way i would give it a d plus but that's i would give it like i think I, i i settled on a generous c okay but i don't know man yeah, I like me to me to me it's a C class. This is this ha- this is probably for me. And look at maybe in 2 years, 3 years I'm going to come on here and have to eat my hat. But this is this draft reminded me too much of pre Doug Wilson Jr. drafts. And it gave me it really serious did. pause. It really did. And with Mike Greer, I mean, generally the GM is going to defer to the advice of the scouts because that's what they're paid to do. They're paid to go out and watch these players and give their expertise and uh, their best assessment of all the players, as many of the players as Mm -hmm. they can. And so especially with Mike Greer coming in and being a new GM, he's going to be extra reliant more than anyone about uh, trusting the word of the scouts. Mm -hmm. Um, but if this draft class falters, uh, this, this might be the start of heads rolling. And especially with, um, Doug Wilson senior being Mm -hmm. gone. Um, I think that, uh, what I want to say that safety net is now gone for Doug Wilson jr. 
And so it's not to say Doug Wilson Jr.'s all of a sudden we, we no, hate no, him no. or anything like that. Um, but I do think that this year, if this doesn't work out and next year doesn't work out, you see the scouting staff get completely gutted. Yeah. Um, we do know that one scout um, retired after mm-hmm. today. And then, of course, the terrible uh, tragedy of Brian Marchment um, passing away, which uh, has affected me a lot, actually. That was really bothering me on Wednesday, um, just because I did have a couple of personal interactions with Brian Marchment, not just the one on Twitter, but I talked to him uh, occasionally at Barracuda Games on the concourse. And so that one that one hit me pretty hard. Um, but uh, Doug Wilson Jr.'s safety net mm-hmm. is gone. And next year being a really good, good draft class from what we understand. Yes. If they don't start hitting some home runs soon, uh, Mike Greer has all the power in the world to say, you know what? Time for an over. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing, like, with uh, – I want to get some stuff in the chat here too. Mm-hmm. Um, chat is on chat fire is on fire tonight, tonight and it's hard to keep up and i i want to like kind of address a lot of things and but not like be here all night um yeah <laughs> like the thing here, here, here the thing for me here is like i don't know like i i understand like a lot of people like obviously when you're the gm you're the figurehead for whatever happens here and we're going to talk about the luke hunting trade next and i don't think that is an auspicious start to to mike greer's gming Right. Um, but I just, and it's all spec. Like we don't know. No one here knows shit, right? Here in the chat, yeah. or whatever. We don't know shit. Um, but I don't like how I. I don't know. And again, I don't know. Did did Mike Greer come in and and turn things on its side, and that's why we didn't have a good draft class? I don't think so. Like I just I don't believe that. I don't believe that Mike Greer would come in. And they'd hire a new GM, and then like two nights before the draft, they they all sit down with a case of Red Bull, like college kids with an assignment due the next day that they had a month to work on, and did all their draft work. And Mike Greer just threw everything they had out, and they made a new plan. Like I just I don't believe that happened. I think that this draft went the way the scouts and junior, <laughs> right? Like I I think that it went the way they wanted it to go. Now, for some of us who have been super pumping the tires of Doug Wilson Jr. being one of the only things in the organization that has been worth a damn the last little bit, yeah, that's a tough pill to swallow to be to be like, okay, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe Jr. fucked this up a little. And we'll find out, like, again, we'll find out in two, three years. But we don't know now. I mean, yeah. right now it doesn't look great, though. And No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And, and so it makes it extra critical for... You're. I kind of lost you, Mike, Kevin. You're. You kind of get really quiet all of a sudden. Oh. Yeah. Really? Uh oh. Um. Well, hopefully that you can hear me a little bit better. Um. But what I was saying oh, was, it makes it even more. No, oh, you're What's back that? now. Oh, okay. It makes it even more critical for the last two to three draft classes to really step up and and show that they belong. Uh, guys like Weissblatt, mm-hmm. Co, Robbins. I mean, I, I say this every freaking mm-hmm. show. <laughs> Gushin. Um, 
these players that are coming into the Barracuda. Kashnikov, don't even know where he's going to be because last I heard, he doesn't have a junior team and he is AHL eligible. Um, players like that need to step up because when you get draft classes like this, even if it wasn't necessarily all on the Sharks, maybe it's just a crappy draft class, crappy draft class that you try to make the best yeah. of. Um, you still want your prospects to put their best foot forward. And um, it's going to be even more telling here this this year and next yeah. year to see how it all how all the pieces fall, because uh, the Sharks moved out John Leonard today, who's a, a player who a lot of people were kind of high on. Um, I was lukewarm, too. Um, I think he has a big ceiling, mm -hmm. um, but I just haven't seen enough of him to be emo about, <laughs> about him being traded today um but uh you know shemilevsky is there he's ready uh reedy is there he's ready you know we've got there are some sharks prospects who are ready to take that next step forward and you know if if they don't take the ball and run with it mike greer is gonna ship him out like john Lennon. yeah um so Luke Cunning uh, got traded uh, to the San Jose Sharks um, for John Leonard and a 2023 third, which I think is the bone of contention for a lot of Sharks fans. And it's a bone of contention for me as well. I don't like the fact that, like, Luke Cunning is kind of a rugged player. Um, he He can score a little bit, but he's not like, if you think Kevin LeBanc spends a lot of time in the penalty box, wait till you see Luke Cunning. Like, I don't know, man. Like, if if he's coming in to be... Like, I just feel like if he's coming in to be a top six solution, that scares me. And if he's coming in to be a bottom six solution, then you paid way too much. Oh, no, no, no. I can't... I cannot see him getting a top six role. Um, right, like, that's the problem. I think... That's that's the problem for me. You, you gave up a third round pick in an incredibly theoretically deep draft and a prospect now now john leonard i i i like john leonard but with the players coming into the system next year i don't know where john leonard fits in San yeah Jose, right exactly right? i don't exactly. know where he fits anymore so if if you want to give up on him that's fine okay that's cool like but to give up on him and then also throw a third in for a guy who likely slots into your third line yeah, see, I posted on Twitter today that I think John Leonard's ceiling mm -hmm. is what Luke Cunning is currently producing. And so, it, it, you know, the, in that light, the third round pick added to Leonard basically offsets the eventual trajectory, theoretically, mm -hmm. for Leonard. Cunning is already that player. So that's, you know, you give up the third. But... I'm with you where Luke Cunning is a guy that the Sharks could have probably gotten from anywhere. Obviously, Mike Greer thinks differently, thinks he's got more untapped upside. Certainly as a former first-round pick, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was like 19th or 21st overall or 15th. somewhere around there, if I remember. 15th, see? Minnesota. Like, uh, by, by Minnesota, yeah. Um he hasn't realized the expectations that were beset on him at that draft pick. Um, I would like 
to think it's similar to like a Manny Malhotra, mm-hmm. who was a former, I think, sixth overall pick, who was not a good pick for sixth overall, but eventually found his game many years after he was drafted and really stepped up and was an amazing San Jose mm-hmm. Shark um, and, and a very good coach now. Um, so maybe Luke Cunning has that kind of trajectory where there's still the untapped upside. I think that's why the Sharks brought him in. Um, but Jay Fresh, I don't know if you follow Jay Fresh hockey, um, but he listed Luke Cunning as a sub replacement level player who can score he goals. Can. And that's to me back to what you are saying, Ian. You're giving up John Leonard and a third round pick for a sub replacement level player. That is not a good look if you're a GM trying to uh, put your foot, you know, in the concrete and say, I'm not going to be pushed around. Yeah. I think Mike Greer kind of got pushed around a little bit. Yeah. Pending RFA with arbitration rights. Um, I, he, I don't think he, he's not going to come in like maybe he signs his QO. <laughs> like this is one of those situations where maybe he signs the QO and then you probably have to pay him too much. Like, I don't think his number is going to come in at, the 2.3 that he was making AV over the last two seasons based on based on a pretty decent 2019-20 season where he did have a pretty decent season, but it's been pretty much downhill from there. I do... Uh, s- go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say... Oh, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to say I worry that the Sharks gave John Leonard in a third-round pick for a player Nashville wasn't going to qualify as a free agent. And I did have someone mention that on Twitter and it's it's not it's not the worst thought, right? Like the, the, yeah. is this a guy you could assign for a million dollars as a, you know, a league minimum or maybe a million dollars as a UFA after he doesn't yeah. get qualified. Um yeah, so last season 82 games played. I mean, that's that's good because the Sharks could use players that can play 82 games. Um <laughs> <laughs> Especially last oh season, huh? Uh, 13 goals, 9 assists, 22 points, minus 11, and a whopping 99 penalty minutes. Yeah. I mean, again, Mike Greer was looking for more physicality, yeah. and organizationally, that's a black it hole. Is. It is. I, I, won't, I won't lie. So, there is that, but... Uh, I, I don't know, maybe... What was the Zach Cassian trade yesterday? He didn't get traded straight up for a third round pick, did he? That's a good question. I didn't have any of that up because I was trying to keep it focused. But no. I know I'm I'm, I'm spitballing fine. here as we do. Um, but I was just because I wonder if depending on what the return was for Zach yeah, Cassian, because it. I know it was a cap dump for it Edmonton. Was. But I wonder if that set the bar a little bit for this Luke Cunning trade. Um, because Nashville, David Poyle can, can come at Mike Greer and say, Hey, we got this kid who's oh, no, it was way first, younger. It and was, can... uh, it was Zach Cassian, um, Zach Cassian to the Arizona Coyotes with a, with pick number 29 for pick 32, oh. pick, pick number 29, uh, a third round pick in 2024, a second round pick in 2025, for a okay there's way more layers i knew there was a third round pick there's way more layers so that's not a comparison so never mind uh (laughs) yeah i don't i don't like this trade and i just i think it's if like obviously mike greer is going to come in he's obviously going to there's there's going to be time for him to kind of settle into the role but uh 
this is not a great start. No, no. And 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 let's. Uh, this is not a great start, but let's give Mike Greer time. I did want to tweet this the day that uh, he was named GM mm-hmm. there on Tuesday, but I was traveling and so I just never got around to it. But um, Mike Greer can make all the mistakes in the world right now. We don't want no. him to, obviously, but he can make all the mistakes in the world and still come out fine. Yeah. Um, let's give him time. He's brand new at this position. He's never been a GM at any, any level. And so there's going to be some, some kinks here. Just think about when you tried to ride a bicycle (laughs) right away, you needed the training wheels first and, and so on. So, yeah, um, like, I'm not trying to say, like, I'm not writing off Mike Greer as a GM. I just think it's just, it's not, he's just not off to a fantastic start. Right. No, but I, I just I want to put it out there because hockey Twitter can be really, really ice cold and really, really fiery hot, you know. And so I don't want it to be July 15th. Oh, God, the, the Sharks had this mediocre draft class and they haven't signed anyone in free agency. Oh, the, the sky is falling. Like, yeah. Let's. Even if that is what happens, let's give Mike Greer some time. I just want to put it out there. Something and, something Mark said yesterday, a, though, and I think it is true. Like, when you see all the goalie movement and all the goalie rumors, it's kind of annoying not to see San Jose mentioned in any of it as a team with three goalies, NHL goalies right now. Yeah, especially with, like, Buffalo, for example. They were sniffing. They, they, they thought they had a Matt Murray trade completed until matt murray said nah i don't think so um so yeah um edmonton's still looking for a goal i think edmonton ends up with jack campbell i just that's my my thought there that's edmonton's um, whole motif but, it's like what maple leaf can we sign this year <laughs> but darcy kemper being out there i think kind of stymies any trade talk for anyone else because it's it's like what we said with mm-hmm. Cunning. Is it worth trading for Cunning when maybe he's available in free agency anyway? Um, Sharks seem to think so. Why would you go and trade for Aiden Hill when maybe you can just throw some money at Darcy Kemper and you're right. okay? You know. So, um, Dave uh, in the chat. Um, oh no, I lost it. But it, it was essentially. Um, oh, there it is. There's no reason to have faith in Luke Cunning. Um, it's it's kind of like my Michael Fisher draft pick. I don't have a whole lot of faith in that pick, so he's gonna have to prove it until to to make me change my mind. Luke Cunning's the same way. Like I I don't think this is a gutter trash move by the Sharks. Luke Cunning has a role with the Sharks. I I, I think that's unmistakable. In fact, Luke Cunning probably causes Jonah Gadjevich to go to unrestricted free agency. Yeah, but if you're spending um, a third and in John Leonard to get Noah Gadjevich replacement, god damn. Exactly. That's oh, the problem. That's, this fucking team. That's why that's why we're down on Luke Cunning here today, everybody. This fucking team. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the issue I have, right? Like and look at there's all there's obviously some more dominoes that need to fall. I mean obviously, you know, Mike Greer in his in his interview talked about cap flexibility and that was the one thing he needed the most and obviously the sharks didn't really do much in that regard i think that obviously mark edward vlasic being at the draft table kind of lets lets you think that he's probably safe from a buyout and he and he 
I'm not going to lie, he probably should be anyway because that buyout penalty, if you do it right now, is disgusting. Absolutely yeah. disgusting. Um, but I just I I've, I I will continue to stand my ground that the Sharks don't need to buy anyone out because they're not a competitive team yet. Yeah. I'm sorry, Logan Couture. I'm sorry, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns. Lo, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the veterans of the team, Mark Edward Flasick, um, even though that's the one you mentioned as the buyout. I just I don't see a reason to take a cap penalty when you might eventually become competitive mm-hmm. for a oh. team right now. That's just not um, that's just my my stance on that. Yeah, I mean, there's and, and that's the thing, right? Like and, and I said I said this yesterday on the show, too. It's like, well, you surprised that like Brent Burns didn't move. And I'm like, not really, because like Brent Burns isn't no. like especially yesterday. Like it didn't make sense. Like today, maybe you could you could throw him in a package for whatever to try and you know or maybe you get a pick that you could take today or whatever right but like brent burns wasn't going to give you the kind of return that gets you on the board again in the first round yesterday brent burns's highest value i mean again what was it three years ago when i was on this show saying the sharks need to trade brent burns so i'm going to continue to hammer that one home i think brent burns highest value is day two three of the free agency yeah. period because you you know some teams will miss out on whichever coveted ufa defenseman is out there that i don't even know um and then they say all right well now that we missed out on this player and maybe this player and duncan keith retired duncan keith today, retired I'll chris letang resigned in pittsburgh yeah yeah uh, maybe now you swing for brent burns and hope that he trades his uh, uh, waves his no trade clause uh, unless you're Dallas, and then he just says, "Yay, all right." Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see Brent Burns going anywhere. He has no reason to, even though I do think the Sharks would be better off for it uh, long term. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I, I think that the reason why this weekend has been such a bummer for me is because, like, it just doesn't because it's not the weekend. The draft was on that's true. Fucking yes. Thursday and yeah, Friday. You, you do have me there. Um, I think the reason why this is so frustrating for me is because I have less than no expectations for this team this fall. Like, I am not excited for the season to start because this team is going to be ass. Like, I don't think this team is going to be competitive at all. I am looking more forward to covering the Barracuda than I am the San Jose Sharks. And I don't know who's playing defense for the Barracuda next year. I was going to say, hey, the Barracuda moving into Texas Arena, and uh, it's going to be sweet. I'll be there at a bunch of games this year, so come by in Section 217 and say hello to me. Um, yeah, it's good. It, that's going to be a fun atmosphere. Even if I enjoyed Barracuda games last year when they were dead last in the AHL. They're going to be better than that this year. So you should you should be excited about covering them again, and I'm looking forward to going and come on by. It's gonna be a cool time. Yeah, but like you know what I mean. So like, not but nothing yeah. that happened over the last two days like gave me like even like oh well you know it everything sucked, but you know they're gonna pick at eleventh, and then they didn't pick at eleventh, which which was fine. Again, I I di- I didn't hate the trade. I liked I liked the trade, but then when you know you get one player that I'm really excited about one that I'm okay with. And then another that I'm kind of like, whatever, like, mm. Mm. The, I, 
I'm not there yet about the trade. I think this is definitely a trade. I, I, I said, I don't like this trade today. But no, I'm, not the not not, not the kind. I mean the perfect. the 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 picks. Yeah, no, no, the the eleventh yeah. overall pick. That's what I mean. Um, I don't I don't see a situation where I'm happy with the Luke Cunning yeah. trade. Um, but the eleventh overall pick. I wasn't really all that happy yesterday, again, because the players I mentioned earlier, especially McGrordy, because I thought he'd be a perfect shark, even though I had Kemmel mm-hmm. higher. Uh, I had Kemmel sixth on my draft board, just FYI. Um, I, I think the Sharks could have gotten somebody. But I think the Sharks also look at it as like a Matt Savoy. I think Matt Savoy would have been oh. a dynamite pick at 11. Yep. Like. I'm a huge fan of his brother Carter, who's going to ed- play for Edmonton or Bakersfield next year, um, and I think Matt Savoy might be even better. Um, he's just he's small, um, but if the Sharks could have gotten eleven uh, uh, Savoy at eleven, and then they traded the pick, I'd be outright pissed. But the fact that a player like that was not there, not surprisingly, right. um, it. It, that part of it makes me okay because I don't think the Sharks were going to get a dynamite pick at 11. Yeah. But who they got 27, 34, 45, 45. I'm happy with, but I, I love that pick. It's my yeah. favorite. It's, it's easily my favorite pick of the draft. And I, I think without that pick, I'm so kind of whatever on the rest of it. Like I said, I, I that pick kind of pushed it into the C territory for me, but it. Sure. I, but I. But I acknowledged like a C is probably generous. Yeah. All right, like a tiger, I can't resist. <laughs> I will. I will try to be as nice as possible on this. Like a tiger. Uh, how do I? How do I pronounce this? Uh, Montana Onyabuchi. Did I say that correctly? <laughs> You know, he's only been around for a year. Um, but yeah, Montana Onyabuchi, definitely a real AHL player right there. Um, definitely going to get in a lot of fights. Yeah, next uh, year. Garrett Larson, <laughs> if Savoy or Korchinski are there at 11, the Sharks don't trade down. Maybe. We don't know. Well, like, that's the thing. We can speculate till we're blue in the face, but I feel like. Yeah. Who knows? The one nice thing last year, the Sharks outright said we were planning on drafting Jesper Wallstedt and then Eklund was still available. Mm-hmm. So it's like, thank you for that information. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to get information about uh, who the Sharks might have wanted at 11 yeah. if they were even planning to take 11 to begin with. Um, so I did I did kind of laugh at the uh, Cameron Lund pick. Because Doug Wilson Jr. gets on the mic and says uh, the Sharks trade, and Mike is not paying any attention. Like he's on the phone wheeling and dealing yeah. right, right then. Yeah, and, and Skyler, like, uh, it feels like the Sharks with the Sharks we have been enjoying their drafts and our expectations were higher, and they disappointed us because they went back to pre Doug Wilson draft. I, I mean, that's the way I feel about it. This feels way more like a like a Tim Burke draft than it did a Doug Wilson Jr. draft. And again, does that mean that someone came in and fucked it up? Possible. I Again, I don't know. But you know what? All GMs have shit drafts. And this draft, again, there was no consensus on rankings at all. Like, usually there's a lot more no. consensus on rankings. So it, it might just turn out to be a shit draft, man. Like, and we'll never know. 
Or or it might turn out that all those players that I thought, hey, that's a good player at eleven, and that guy, and that guy, and that guy, none of them panned out. And Beastet at twenty seven was the guy that the Sharks should have drafted at eleven, and they got him at twenty seven. Mm-hmm. You never know, um, especially in a year like this. So there, there, there's, uh, you know. I think so Tony's saying Mike Riz to-do list, a uh, new head coach, yep, obviously, in staff. Uh, UFA scoring, I mean, UFA is going to be interesting because we'll get to that. Let me just go through the rest of this list here. Add undrafted players to prospect pool for the Barracuda. Uh, trade some players, add some more Canadians to the prospect pool. I don't know if you just necessarily need more Canadians, but, I mean, I welcome more Maple Leaf-sucking compatriots. Um and add to the scouting staff. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously things are obviously going to get changed. Um, UFA is going to be interesting because the Sharks, obviously you have the, the Evander Kane situation kind of still hanging over them, which kind of sucks. But I'm not as mad at this as a lot of other people are just because I understand how this works. Like you, you pay these people a ton of money to do this arbitration work and they work on their schedule, not yours. Uh, that's just the way the world works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Vander Keen thing definitely is looming over the Sharks. Um, and Mike Greer's just going to have to deal with I, I don't know about you, Ian. I just feel like a settlement is coming. And I do think the Sharks will get out of it. I don't think – I think the Sharks full well believe that they will win this. But in any event, I think just to cut ties, just get it over with, I could see a settlement coming anyway. Um, and when that happens, I think the Sharks will have the cap space that they need to do whatever the heck they want. Um, so I I do want to go back, because kind of tying into the question that you just brought up, and I did want to get back to Uriel's mm-hmm. question about what big name do you hope Mike Greer can pull? I um, I've seen some people in the chat mention William Nylander. Um I think Tony had thrown out like a first LeBanc someone There's for no way, Nylander. I don't know if that Nylander, they're not they're not taking LeBanc's cap hit. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't see that that happening. I would like Nylander sure. here, but I just I don't know. Oh, it was Aiden mm-hmm. Hill. That was the thing. I actually do think and hey, I'm the one who predicted Aiden Hill to come to the Sharks That's last true. year. So I do have this weird feeling like Aiden Hill becomes a Toronto Maple Leaf. I just don't think it's going to be for William. No. Um, and I don't think Aiden Hill is going to be starting in Toronto next year for sure. No. Um, but I, I do think, feel like that's going to be a thing. Um, but the name that I haven't been able to escape has been Yessi Pugliarvi and hockey jerk. I know has been on that train a little bit as well. He's been on Nylander. Um, but Yessi Pugliarvi, I think, uh, is a, a name who could definitely help out the Sharks. I still think, despite the fact that he did have a breakout year last year, he's still overall underwhelmed. Um, I, Ian, I don't remember how your opinion on that, but I was super high on Puljujarvi in his draft year. Yep. And he hasn't met that expectation. Uh, it was a lofty expectation, but I thought he could have made it, and he still can. I think he'd be a perfect addition to the sharks but the question is what price is it going to cost i don't want to see mike greer trade any more 2013 but 20 we don't need those uh 2023 picks but um 
Edmonton trading within the division, that's a, just going to add to the price to get someone like Pulia Yarby. Yeah. But that's that's just the name that I can't shake. Yeah, I don't. I I'm curious to see. I mean, like, there's players that obviously got moved over the draft weekend that like you would like that you would like to see a team that thinks that they're going to be competitive. Um, like you'd want to see the Sharks go in after, right? Like, um, and even at the cost, like. I I don't think Alex DeBrinket went for all he could have gone for. And I understand that man, that there's oh there's man. obviously cap man oh man Alex De, Alex DeBrinket with that crop of youth in Ottawa. Ottawa's still not going to be a good team next year, but they're they're poised. They're going like, to score a lot of goals. I just don't know how many they're going to keep out of the net. Exactly, and hey, they don't have Pierre Maguire anymore, so that's sure. another uh, cu- that's another cuff off the ankle that they no longer have to deal with. So, um, Otto is going to be scary with Debrinket. It just might be another couple of years before that happens. Yeah, like I just Th- think that's another player. Th- I mean, that's it. Sorry, that's a that's an elite player in my opinion that the Sharks had no chance of being able to acquire because I don't even know if they can acquire Puliyarvi. Well, here's the problem, they, they right? Like, Debrinket's obviously going to get paid, and you still have to pay Timo Meyer, and you don't know how the Kane thing yeah. is going to work out, and you still have to get rid of, you know, if you're going to bring in a guy like Alex Debrinket, obviously you have to move money off this blue line. Period. For sure. Right? For sure. That's the that. I think Redeem, I think Redeem Shimmick's the first one to go before Vlasic. Yeah. I just, I don't know how it's going to happen. That's all. I mean, Radim Shimmick, you could probably, you could bury a lot of that. Like, I before the season, I thought a lot about Radim Shimmick as, as a buyout candidate, but now with looking at how much you can stash in the AHL, it doesn't make any sense to do that. So you either have to trade him, you could bury him and get about the same as you would if you bought him out. Yeah. And the Barracuda do yeah. need defensemen. <laughs> they do. Actually, I should, I, I pulled up my Barracuda chart for next year. And uh, I, if they bring back Malosh, I think Malosh mm-hmm. goes back there. And then they got Hataka, the returning off injury Kanijov, who I still think is going to start with the Barracuda. And then Kanyatsev, and then Nick Chichuk's there for reasons. reasons, I guess. I mean, I don't hate, I don't hate Nick Chichuk. I just, yeah, I, I don't know if it was worth the NHL contract. That's all. But uh, but yeah, it's still there's still at least two spots on the Barracuda defense, and Shimmick being a, a veteran, um, a, a very expensive AHL player, but wouldn't wouldn't be the worst. Yeah, thing. I mean it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, Tony asking, could they buy out Eric Carlson? No, that buyout would be absolutely oh, insanity. Oh. Um, I need another one of those. Actually, I need about another four pack of these twelve percent beers uh, to, to stomach that Eric. Carlson yeah, no that had. that that contract is way too much signing bonus in it. Um, not and I, I'm not and I would never advocate for buying out Eric Carlson to begin with, um, but to do it would just it would be insane. Like the cost benefits would not be um, good here. Let me find the yield buyout calculator because I'm curious. <laughs> Ye old buyout calculator, where are you? That'll be through yes. cap friendly, I would assume. No, where's the calculator? Give me that. There we go. Um, while you're looking that up real quick, um mentioned the Barracuda roster mm-hmm. earlier and a lot of players incoming. 
Nick Malosh, for example. Do the Sharks bring him back? I think the Sharks do, but I don't see much NHL upside there. The Sharks have a number of players who are going to be RFAs after this season or in five days, sorry. And I could see a bunch not returning. Joachim Blickfeld? Joachim Blickfeld's a player that I thought would have been traded today for, even if it's a fifth or a sixth round pick, something like that. I think Blickfeld needs a fresh start, and I would like to think I would like to see the Sharks get something mm-hmm. for him because I don't think they, they don't bring think him back. Jaden Hobgawaks, I don't think, has any trade values. I think they just let him walk. Um, and I know there's a couple others, but Shimolevsky comes back. Uh, sure. So the Eric Carlson penalty. Uh, to to not oh, have God. Eric Carlson play hockey next season, uh, it will save you $133,333. That is your cap savings next season wow. because of the signing bonus. Uh, it's he would still wow. count against the cap next year for eleven million three hundred sixty-six thousand six hundred and sixty-seven. Uh, Twenty-three twenty-four. It gets a little less painful. Two point eight six 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 seven. And twenty-four twenty-five. Three point three six 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 seven uh 25 26 it gets awful 9.366667 against the cap uh another 11 million against the cap for the 26 27 season uh, 11.8667 million dollars again uh and then it's um you know um 1.866 until the end of time like it's just it's absolutely dumb um chat is getting on me rightfully so it speaks to how long the sharks offseason has yeah. already been yes Joachim blickfeld did sign like That's six right, yeah. weeks ago <laughs> in a, my in brain is mush. so nobody's going to be trading for Joachim blickfeld that's for sure yeah no good call good call chat sorry about that um yeah um eric carlson and i at work today i actually talked about Ilya brisgalov how he's still getting paid by the flyers and i said i uh i still want to make whatever it is three million dollars or whatever to not play for the flyers that is my life goal to make millions of dollars to never play for the Philadelphia Flyers. And Eric Carlson would live very comfortably the rest of his life um, and be able to afford all the surgeries that he needs. Yeah. Um, if yeah. he was I mean, out. like, again, I mean, to me, like I said, I, I think kind of bringing it back in, reeling it back in here. Um, yeah. The, the, this, this draft didn't give me all the warm and fuzzies for the future which because the the present isn't sure. very good um i i think mike greer's got a lot of work i again and i think you guys have been around me long enough to know that i generally i will give this time to play out a little bit the early the early the early signs on this aren't great right i don't feel i don't feel a lot of warm and fuzzy for this franchise right now i feel like even worse than I did before, like when they fired Bob Bugner and I was on here going like this team is just fucking directionless. And I still feel that way. And that's not a feeling I really wanted with the new GM in place and, and, and the draft now in the books. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same. Um, I feel more excited about what we've done in recent years than what happened today. 
I would like to think that in a couple of years we'll be looking back at this and say, wow, the Sharks really, I don't know if lucked out's the right term, but look at all these teams who had all these draft picks and it didn't mm-hmm. work out for them. But the Sharks knew what they were doing and, and they hit four home runs out of this, you know, like, and it could, oh, it could. I mean, as the percentage I would like low, nothing more to be wrong. But again, yeah, yeah, we want to be wrong on this, you know, um, especially this year. But it's just that uh, this year's draft has to have an asterisk. There's no consensus mm-hmm. to the picks there's, or or the players. Shane Wright was the cons- the only consensus pick, and it's been since 2019 <laughs> that we've heard about Shane Wright being the de facto first overall pick, and he went fourth. Yeah. So that right there says to me, this year more than any is a complete crapshoot. The scouts did the mm-hmm. work as best they could, but things will get back on the rails next year. And uh, I'm looking forward myself to being more prepared for the draft this year, <laughs> next year as well. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, like uh, just in the chat here, um, some comments about Hassel Plotner. I mean, I I wonder if uh, there was a little too much ownership meddling in the process to just the way that this offseason's been run screams owner interference to me. The way Bob Bugner was let go so and, late. I so there okay, with the Bugner thing, because I wasn't around yeah. for that either. Go ahead. Um I agree with that. I we know there is a precedence for Hasso Platner getting involved in management decisions. This is the whole reason why year after year I kind of rolled my eyes whenever someone mentions Hasso Platner, because I even though he is hands off most of the times, he picks the worst to times his, right, to put yeah, his hands yeah. on the team. And and um, so it, it very well could be possible with Bugner. I think there was more going on. I think because my understanding, despite whatever Jonathan Becker mm-hmm. said, my understanding is that Mike Greer has been the guy for the Sharks for at least two and a half okay. weeks. Um, so that to me at that point, they said, OK, but we've talked to Bob Bugner. Maybe maybe Mike Greer talked to Bob Bugner off the ice. I think think they were even teammates in Buffalo, but I might be mistaken there um, and decided, you know what, let's part ways. I even heard a, a thought that maybe the coaching staff had a little bit of an incentive on July mm. 1st. I don't know what their salaries are. Those the, the Sharks more than anyone yeah. are pretty, um, you know, uh, uh, not transparent pretty cloudy when it comes to things like that. So maybe maybe that's the reason why they made the decision to cut them on July 1st. It's so 1st. dumb, right? Like, cap-friendly um, exists, but yet it's always like, oh, we signed this player, but due to our thing, we're not going to tell you how much. You have to wait for cap-friendly to tell you, because, like... Yeah. Unless you're Evgeny Dadanov, Dadanov, and uh, no one has any idea <laughs> right. about your clauses. So, so um, but, uh, yeah, no, I... I, 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 I I'm not going to discredit what you're mm-hmm. saying, Ian, either, because we, we just don't know. Coaches are coach contracts more than anything have been the least disclosed. I, I feel I have like a, a shark time. with an assault rifle in my Twitter feed right now. 
Because I, I keep talking about Hasso and Tiger keeps sending me a picture of a shark with an assault rifle to get me back on script. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, all right. Bob Bugner getting hired uh, by Detroit. Um, I'm not surprised that he got hired as quickly. I think Bob Bugner's a good no. assistant coach. I just don't think he's a good head coach. Like, I think he's a fine assistant. I just don't think he should be the guy running the whole thing. So I think yeah. it's a good hire for Detroit. I I completely agree. Um, the only the only move that I didn't agree with that Detroit made this week was. Uh, Trading for Vili Huso today and giving him a ton of money for half a year of NHL experience. How do I, there's another team I'm fast. We, they gave him three years at almost five million per oh season. Oh man, for half a year of NHL experience and a dismal Didn't they pay age kind of similar to. They did. Well, they gave him three, three by three. By three, okay. three yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, and, they've they've got some time to kill, right? Because Costa is going to take some time to be in the NHL. If, if Koss is your guy going forward. But you know what, though? Steve Iserman gets carte blanche in this league. For sure. Like, Steve Iserman could make eight terrible moves in a row, and no one will care. The people in Detroit might care, but yeah, he's fine. I, I, I'll trust. Unlike, unlike a couple of these picks, I will trust Steve Iserman's decisions until they go back. Yeah, I will we'll, we're going to dive into like a lot of this stuff when we when we wrangle jerk and do a TTG cuz I think there's a lot of other league stuff that we'll probably do then. So I'm going to try and save this for Nedeljkovic though uh, just because I brought him up has another year at 3 million. Okay, so okay, so it was yeah. 2 by 3 then. Okay. Yeah, so I I'm I'm uh I don't know. Let it play out. <laughs> the theme of the day. Yeah, I think the Red Wings are. Yeah. are I, I think they're on the right track. Um, did you did you really follow any other teams? Like any other any big winners to you? No, no. So that's actually going to be my entire mm-hmm. weekend. Um, you'll probably if you if you follow me on Twitter, this is kind of my sign off in a way. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm at Kevin Lacey twenty two, and you'll probably see me bring up random comments about other teams' draft classes um, because I. Really, I came home from work. I had 30 minutes to look up the Sharks draft class and uh, and come up with this. But, uh, you know, I appreciate everyone who came out to watch tonight. Again, chat. You guys are killing yeah. it. And we love it. Yeah, just like last night with Ian's four-hour show. I mean, we we were not planning to go two hours like we did tonight. And uh, there's been a lot of fun. A lot of things to talk about even despite the C to D draft class of Sharks had. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts regarding other teams' classes? I I lo- The only thing that I noticed was Curtis Brown's son was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets, which I think is pretty awesome. I think my big winner, um, I think obviously like Seattle. Seattle's my big winner. Seattle because they got Shane Wright. They or got some they, other they have a they pretty did. decent uh, draft class. They have um, Shane Wright, okay. and their second round pick was pretty good too. No, I don't have it up because again, why prepare? Um, <laughs> <laughs> they they picked up someone else really good that I really like. Maybe someone in the chat will help me out as I bring up the tracker here. I'm pulling it up right now. So they drafted Jagger yes, Furcus. Like yes. Okay. Yanni Neiman, 
Nicholas Coco, David Goyette, Ty Nelson, Ben McDonald, Tyson jo- Yeah, and then we're getting real. They got a lot mm-hmm. of picks, though. They got 10? Yeah. 11? Oh, they had 11. Kraken had 11 picks. And for, for Coachella, Coachella Valley, again, probably none of these players play in the AHL next year. But with Coachella Valley now being in the fold, you're going to need to start bringing in more and more prospects so that you can fill out an AHL roster and truly tell, all right, who's going to make the jump yeah. to the NHL one day. So now is a great time for the Kraken to have 11 draft draft picks. Yeah, yeah, I so. thought they had a really good draft. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Chicago Ooh. is Sorry. my probably my loser. I mean, I, <laughs> you you – I I'm glad you said that. I was not exactly thrilled with uh, the first round that the Blackhawks had. Not only yesterday. that, you give up to Brinkett, you give up Kirby Doc, like guys that like you're rebuilding your rebuild basically. With new management, it, it said to me like uh, this is a total cleansing of the mm-hmm. organization, um, but. I think there is some justification there because when the Blackhawks went to the bubble playoffs, they were supposed to be in yeah. a rebuild and then they overachieved. And then what ended up happening was the Blackhawks then built off their overachieving year without remembering that they were supposed to rebuild. Yeah. And so now they're in that, that, that dark territory where they, they have to basically started all over right. again so i don't necessarily I don't know man like alex de brink gets 24 like he could still be there he could still be oh no that's that's the piece you build around that's the part that's i don't the, get and the then and then obvious and then because um duncan keith announced his retirement today any savings that they got from moving to brink it have been eaten up by their cap recapture penalty Oh, <laughs> well, yep. I'm speechless. Yeah, it's it's brutal. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 hit this up on when we when we sit down to do a TTG because there's so much stuff like around the league that I do want to talk about at some point. But like my brain is mushed now. We've kind of gone pretty long tonight. Yeah, you've done you've done six and yeah, a half I, hours I, my brain now. is like. <laughs> host between like um yeah and and obviously like something that um i didn't mention yesterday and i wanted to mention just on a personal note the other day uh yeah. before i got home from camp uh from being out on vacation uh, i put a call on my twitter and i said hey my son wants me to help with his youtube channel if you guys could just throw him a view i would be eternally grateful and you guys never disappoint uh i wish i had the the foresight to record his reaction when he saw that his video had like almost a hundred views and he was like so ecstatic um so i mean i i just want to thank you guys for that because obviously like you didn't no one has to like you guys follow me mostly for my hockey takes maybe for my snark on a few other things and you know but you, you don't follow me to watch my son play with cars on a on a four-wheeler trailer um but you guys did that for me and i super appreciate it that's awesome man so what's uh what's the just for those who aren't in the know um where can they see your son's uh, it's, youtube it's channel it's called Kalem plates uh it's the 
if you'll you'll see it it's he's he's got a couple videos i tried to help him with a few like uh other videos because a couple of his videos is just him kind of just goofing around on his tablet and recording it uh recording the screen which is fine he's eight um <laughs> uh we're gonna do some more stuff eventually once we figure out uh a new plan for some more videos to do for his thing and i don't know we'll figure it out but um yeah uh yeah so um just dave and the chat hitting us up with the uh 5.8 million dollar cap recapture for the Blackhawks next season. Wow. So wow. weaponizing their cap space? Nope. Oh. Well, I guess Malcolm Subban's coming back to the Chicago Blackhawks next <laughs> year to be <laughs> All right. My goodness. All right, guys, I super appreciate you all being here um, all weekend. Um, I want to thank you guys for, on behalf of, like, pretty much everyone under the TL10 umbrella. Um, but obviously, you guys stuck with me and Mark, and that, that four-and-a-half-hour slog has, like, a bajillion views uh, overnight, which is amazing. If you suffered through it on, the on, on like, the audio replay, kudos to you even more. <laughs> because i know there was like some spots of dead air probably the most i I think it was probably the most challenging show i've ever done because normally when we like when i come on a someone else is hosting and b we generally have an idea of what we're going to talk about but to have to just fill air for four and a half hours with no real plan other than just kind of react to what's happening and talk about different things um for the sharks probably the most challenging most rewarding like i felt like a zillion dollars even though my brain was mushed after it for for doing it i think it's it's probably going to be go down as one of my favorite memories of doing this and i think we've been doing this for god six years now or something stupid like that like it's it's been a long time uh it, it feels like it's been an eternity um but yeah, so I just I just really want to thank all you guys for for sticking with us and supporting us the way that you guys have. Because um, without you, I mean, like we're just a bunch of blowhards on the internet talking to no one, and we did that at one point. <laughs> I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore. Uh, Kevin, any final yeah. thoughts you want to add? Yeah. Hey, hey, we should um, with the filling in dead mm-hmm. air and everything. We're now gonna call you Ian James there Duffy Reed. Um. So I already said I'm Kevin Lacey and did all that. I, I want to leave you guys with one more thing. Actually, a self-plug. And then um, my hockey team has playoffs next Tuesday night. If you feel like going out to Silver Creek Sportsplex and watching a, uh, a mediocre beer league team attempt to make the championship game for the third straight season, maybe we'll actually win this time. Um, but uh, what I wanted to leave you with was Last night, if you were watching the ESPN feed, because um, it's ESPN and that's all you need to know about that, um, we were robbed of Gary Bettman announcing the trade that the Sharks made in the first round of the draft. So, because I know Eric, who is currently in London, England, Puck Guy 14, uh, is currently in England right now, I'm sure he will appreciate this. So... We have a trade to announce. The San Jose Sharks trade the eleventh pick. Hold down, you're not making enough noise here in the in the Bell Center now. 
All right, so, and it doesn't involve you either, so pipe down. All right, the Sharks trade the 11th pick to the Arizona Coyotes for the 27th overall pick, the 34th overall pick, and the 45th overall pick, which ESPN originally wrote as 32nd and 43rd. Um, I know I've always joked about how ESPN hasn't uh, realized that the Tampa Bay Lightning from 2004 was not the last Stanley Cup champion, but apparently they must think that the NHL still has 30 (laughs) teams. In that case, they would have been the 32nd and 43rd pick. But anyway, uh, uh, Arizona, you're on the clock. That's not what happened, because what actually happened was he, he, I think he, he announced the trade backwards and said San Jose was on the clock. Yeah. Well, even better. See, I didn't get to see it myself because ESPN just decided John Butchacross all day like he knows anything. So, uh, yeah, um, there's your trade. I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to do it backwards next time. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go, Puckeye. That was for you. I hope you have a great time. In there you it. go. All right, guys. Um, again, appreciate everyone coming along for the ride. Um, this was a fun, this was a fun show. So, this was a fun uh, two days, and uh, I look forward to doing this again uh, when free agency happens. If the Sharks do something in the meantime, though, we will talk about it because we always do. Um, we're going to try and go off air and wrangle Hockey Jerk and try to nail down a time to do Tilted Glasses. I don't know if we're going to get one in before free agency or not, um, but I think it's going to be just... Uh, all, all the best laid plans for for trying to you know be short and do one topic. I, I feel like we have a multi-topic extravaganza coming on tilting glasses. Yeah, yeah. We uh, you know we went into the summer saying we're only going to do forty-five minute shows, and next show I think it goes um, out the window. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right. This but was this super was fun. fun, man. I hope. I, I thanks for sticking with it, Ian, and thanks all. Uh, in the chat again, you guys were killing it. So many different names in the chat tonight. So love, love seeing the comments. So thank you very much. Yes. Uh, what's going on in the chat? Okay. Uh, uh, they're making fun of Gary oh. Batman. <laughs> oh my head. Yeah, I'm sorry. I twitch. I, I, it's a nerve thing. Um, all right. Uh, if you uh, want to take part in the show or follow us or find it afterwards you can always find us on teal town usa uh you can always find us in audio format itunes google store whatever it is now for google stuff uh spotify um wherever you get your podcast from we are probably there um and again if you ever want to be aware of when we want to go online hit the bell you'll be notified when we are going to go live um but other than that we bid you adieu on this 2022 draft. We will see you next time.